I'm safety Malcolm Jenkins of the Philadelphia Eagles. Let's park at the 30, at the 40, at the 50. Malcolm Jenkins is going 99 yards for a touchdown. And you're listening to the Eagles live podcast with Dave Spinero. Hi, everyone, and welcome. Eagles Insider Dave Spinero here. It is the Eagles live podcast. And we're in the middle of April, and we're getting ready for some action. The off-season conditioning program for the Eagles begins on Monday. A lot to get to with this team, with this program, with this podcast. We're going to have former Eagles wide receiver Jason Avant in in just a bit. We took a little vacation together this week. Jason, myself, some staff members with the Eagles, and about 130 Eagles fans from honestly across the country. It was our 2019 Eagles Beach Blitz in Punta Cana, Dominican Republic. Jordan Malata, Matt Pryor, current Eagles on the trip, along with Wendell Smallwood, the veteran of the group, and Fred Barnett, wide receiver, and Avant as well. So Avant's story is a fascinating one. It's not just about football. It's about how he got to the NFL, his time in the league, and what he's done since his 11-year NFL career ended. Before that, though, let's get you caught up with some news of the week, Philadelphia Eagles style. The preseason schedule came out, and the Eagles will host the Tennessee Titans at Lincoln Financial Field to kick off the preseason in week one. Exact dates and times will be announced, but the opener against the Titans will take place in the weekend of August 8th to August 12th. And then the Eagles in week two of the preseason, August 15th to the 19th, battle the Jacksonville Jaguars in Jacksonville of course we'll get to see Nick Foles John DeFilippo and a little reunion time in week two of the preseason the final home preseason game is really going to be a week-long event the Baltimore Ravens will come to the Novacare complex for some joint practices and then the Eagles will play the Ravens at Lincoln Financial Field August 22nd to August 25th and finally the preseason concludes with our annual battle against the New York Jets at MetLife Stadium on either August 29th or August 30th. And you can catch all four of those games on our Eagles network. We will have exact times, dates, locations for you as the spring marches along. You will not want to miss this preseason with so many roster battles, with Carson Wentz coming back from injury, a lot of great storylines for the Eagles this summer. And then for the Eagles making some moves from a personnel standpoint, signing three players on Tuesday, wide receiver Charles Johnson, quarterback Luis Perez, and wide receiver return man Greg Ward, all one-year deals. Johnson playing in the AAF, and leading the Orlando Apollos with a very good production, 45 catches, 687 yards, five touchdowns in eight games. He was originally a seventh-round draft pick in 2013 with Green Bay. He's also had stints with Cleveland, Minnesota, Carolina, and the New York Jets. Ward played for the San Antonio Commanders in the AAF, played with the Eagles in the practice squad capacity in 2017-2018, a great college quarterback at the University of Houston, special teams player of the week in the AAF in week six, a 79-yard punt return for a touchdown. And then Perez taking the very unconventional route, as Chris McPherson wrote about so well on PhiladelphiaEagles.com this week, making his way through lower levels of college football uh, to play with the Rams for a brief stint in 2018 and then for the Memphis Express in the AAF. So they are all now members of the Eagles, and they'll report to the offseason conditioning program 
this week, actually on Monday it starts for the Eagles. So that is all of the news of the week. The Eagles still all eyes forward on the draft, which begins on April 25th. Now we want to talk a little football with Jason Avant, a remarkable story. We're on location in Punta Cana, Dominican Republic, and I got to know Jason a lot during this week. It was a really, really fun time with the fans, with great hospitality. Apple Vacation is doing a great job. The now Larimar Resort in Punta Cana, sensational. Just a wonderful week talking Eagles, having fun, and getting to know Jason Avant, who is a role model. In my opinion, he is a remarkable man. Let's do it. Jason Avant on the Eagles Live podcast. Jason, we're sitting in... Dominican Republic, Punta Cana, now Laramar Resort. We had just finishing up the Apple Vacations, Eagles Beach Blitz. 135 Eagles fans here. It's kind of a cool trip, right? Like, you really get to know what fans are all about. Yeah, it's, it's a pretty cool trip. Um, people love the Eagles, and we've signed so much bizarre, you know, so many bizarre items and uh, and had so many, you know, you know really... Um, good conversations with people and their thought, their thought uh, process about the team and also how much they love the team. So being here with them and being able to give back to them and show them that we support them as well is, is, is awesome. So, so thank you to Apple and uh, Eagles for, for allowing this trip to happen. When you played, Jason, did you have any idea what the fans were all about? No, you, you really don't because you have tunnel vision. Um, as as a player, you you have tunnel vision. You're trying to block out all the noise. I didn't check out, you know, you know, the Eagles podcast. We probably didn't have it then. No podcast, no podcast. But I I wasn't really into you know what the what the um, fans or media thought because you're trying to just focus on what the team um, you know required of you. But when I retired, I began to really see how much the Eagles fans love their team and love their players, love their city, and um, it's cool to see wherever we go, we kind of take over that spot. Um, you hear e. Eagles chants all day, and, um, you know, and people just think about it. Uh, you know, it was a wedding yesterday, an Eagles wedding, where people, you know, were um, E-A-G-L-E-S chants, you know, during a wedding. It was, it was just really cool. Jason, your, your story here is really many levels, and um, so I'd like to hit all of these levels. First, let's talk about the playing career. Eight years in Philly, 346 catches, 12 touchdowns, more than 3,600 yards. Would you call your Eagles time beyond your wildest expectations? Um, yes, like um, I, I always wanted more for my career because um, I knew I had the, the ability to. Um, but at the same time, I wanted to keep the team structure together um, that we had because I thought when I played, we had a, an opportunity to be a Super Bowl caliber team. Um, so um, my role on that team was basically emergency, third downs, fourth downs, critical situations. And Coach Reed let me know what my role would be. And I embraced it. Um, I would go, you know, parts of games with not seeing a ball, but they would need me at certain times. And, and I kind of relished that moment. I knew how important it was but um I also enjoy you know how how the city embraced us and um how much you know when Philadelphia is winning the city's like electric and 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 I'll I'll never forget that so so I what I'm hearing is that you kind of internally your your thought was hey I want to be the man yeah 
from a, from a team standpoint, though, you had to kind of adjust to what your role was going to be. Exactly, because all of us have a higher desire for ourselves, you know. And when you play receiver, it's a secondary role. You're only going to be as good as those around you who's blocking for the quarterback, the quarterback's um, accuracy, all of those different things, the receivers that get open next to you. And um, and also you begin to couple that with guys that are supremely talented, right? You have a first-round talent in um, Jeremy Macklin. Um, Deshaun was drafted in the second round, but he's a first-round talent, Hall of Fame talent, actually. And you begin to realize, okay, where do you stack up amongst those uh, among those guys? And maybe for another team, I could be a second option. But for the Eagles, I'm going to be the fourth option because LaShawn has to get the ball, too. And um, you have to sacrifice. And that's what this game is about. Did I have the career that I wanted? No. Did I, have, did I make a significant impact on and off the field? And in the time that I played, I thought that I did. 11 years in the league and you didn't have the career you wanted what did you want um I'm always like that's the thing you're always a serial competitor um I wish I had the ability um I wish God blessed me with the ability to run faster that's the only negative thing about my game that I wish that I could change I can't change that that's 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 up to God but I wish I could run fast if I could run a 4-4 I'd be in the Hall of Fame I believe but um if I can just run fast I just couldn't (laughs) <laughs> Jason, what was that What was that wide receiver room like? I mean, a lot of diverse personalities. Jeremy's personality was different than Deshaun's, different than yours. I'm trying to think of all the other names. What other names come to your mind through all those years? Yeah, it, it all depends on the years. But we had Kevin Curtis and Reggie Brown. We had Hank Baskett. We had Greg Lewis for a little bit. Um, but the but the nucleus of that team was uh, was um, me and um, Deshaun and, and Macklin because we had the longest tenure together um, amongst that group. Um, yes, juggling personalities is a, you know, it's a job for a clinician or a psychologist, but um, the receiver coach usually has to deal with it. And I thought David Cully did a good job. Um, and also uh, me being there for the longest, um, you know, those guys respect it, you know, when I, when I said something. So I was like the dad. So with that being said, I would make sure that I would bring extra game plans, extra sheets of paper, make sure that they were taking notes, make sure that they knew what play they were doing. Like I was just always the thoughtful one because they were so much younger than I was. Um, So but it was a great time and juggling those personalities. You had to know how to say certain things. You had to know when to say certain things. And and um, that's the part of being in the NFL. The, The thing that you like about the current team is that they don't have a bunch of egos. So it's easier to coach. You don't have to go through the the minutia of, you know, trying to, um, you know, not, try, you know, to hurt a guy's feelings. So um, I thought that we were, we had a more sensitive team. And I think this, the team that we have now, the last couple of years are tougher mentally than we were. Why was that team not as mentally tough, perhaps, as this team? Where, where would that come from? The head coach? Is it the person, just the, the diverse personalities in the locker room? No, it, it has to do with more the type of players. The more stars you have, the more ego you have. And ego guys, they, they, they're great for the media. They're great for, you know, the team and people selling jerseys. But, all, but, but in reality, they're very, very sensitive. So it's really – and they've been successful in so many different ways. And they've been the man for so long that their poop don't stink, you know. And when someone tells them that, it can be a lot of pushback, which can um, create, you know, a an effect on a team where everyone's on eggshells. And you don't want that. You want everyone to be 
coachable at the same level. And that's why I say this team is mentally tougher because they can handle the coaching and they don't have the stars. So they're used to being coached hard through their their whole life because they've had to work for it. When a guy can get out of the bed and run fast or get out of the bed and stronger than everybody else, they don't have to put in the same level of effort and energy than a guy that has, you know, developed this talent. And those guys seem to take coaching a little bit better. We will talk about the current team. We'll talk about Deshaun Jackson in a bit. But I want to, even for your story, go back to the very start. And when you say that you didn't have the career maybe you wanted, it just, I know you're thankful for the career oh, that grateful. you. Oh, to- totally grateful for everything because the, the truth of the matter is I shouldn't have been in the NFL. So I'm grateful for the career that I had. Um, I always, when, when you're a competitor, you're always thinking, like, I could have did this a little bit better. I could have had more touchdowns. I could have did this. I could have did that. But um, ultimately, I'm grateful because I knew I shouldn't have been in the NFL. And that's why I used to raise my hands after every catch just to say thank you for it. So don't, uh, you know, um, um, misunderstand what I'm saying, you know, because I'm, I'm really appreciative for every opportunity, even being here with the fans, being here with you. I respect you and your career for so many years. So I'm, I, I'm just appreciative for everything. Um, but as a, that competitive side, there's always that side. And, it, and it, it's kind of it's kind of like this. Like Carson Wentz was really appreciative of being on the Super Bowl team. But he's a competitor. He wants to play as well. And same way with Nick, if you go vice versa. Like, he appreciates being the backup in the NFL. It's great. But he wants to play too, right? So that's, there's, there's always a fiery side to every player. And if, anyone, if, any, if, you're, if you don't have that fire, you won't be around long. All right, for those fans who don't know the story of Jason Avant, south side of Chicago, describe your childhood growing up in as graphic detail as you'd like. Uh, well, I grew up, like, like you said, on the south side of Chicago. Um, dad left when I was a baby. Mom strung out on, um, no, mom left when I was a baby. Dad strung out on drugs. And, um, and I grew up in a house that was kind of divided. Grandma and aunt were good, good people, Christian people, go to church, those types of things. But on the other side of the house, it was dr- gangbangers and drug dealers. And before you know it, I was selling drugs in sixth, seventh, and eighth grade. And, um, and hanging around with gangs and carrying pistols and all types of things. And, um, fortunately enough, we moved neighborhoods and, and, um, I got out of the gang life kind of organically. And in this new neighborhood, they were into sports and I played basketball. I was really, really good at basketball, division one player. And my basketball coach was a football coach and he said you know what Jason you can't play um, basketball for me told the whole team um, unless you play football because he was tired of seeing you know 300 kids try for the basketball team and only you know 50 for the football team so he made us go out there and um, put me at linebacker I quit the first day because I didn't want to hit anybody um, and um, they talked me into going back out um, my dad actually called from prison and said hey listen you don't have many opportunities play as many sports as you can and um, I'm, they moved me to, to running back and this is a true story Running back, either I got down, it was out of bounds, or scored a touchdown in high school, right? <laughs> and um, the next year, it's like, oh, whenever we throw on the ball, he catches it, he gets a lot of interceptions, smooth receiver. And one year playing receiver, I was no more playing in the state of Illinois. And, um, and I began to get bigger, you know, scholarship offers to go to the University of Michigan. So, and through that experience and because of my grandmother's prayers, her prayer for me every night is Lord change his life, get him out of this neighborhood, let him be something, let him, you know, overcome these odds. And that was her prayer for me every night. I stayed in the same room with her for years and years and years. And I feel like her prayer chased me, chased me down my whole life. And um, it's made me the man I am today. And I view life through that perspective. Um, I shouldn't be here. And um, it gives me a drive. It gives me a hunger. It gives me um, the tenacity to live life and, and also to appreciate appreciate, you know, the small things that I do have. 
Do you have recollections of being on the streets? I mean, I can't relate to that. As a, what, 10, 11, 12-year-old kid, what was it like? It's scary. It's scary, you know, when, when you have family members that are saying, hey, I need you to sell this and, and this amount, and it's pressure to sell this amount in a certain time. You have two days to sell, you know, this quarter O or whatever. And uh, What so? Yeah, just, yeah, just ounce. Like, oh. it's, it's the way drugs are measured, right? So, like, if you, if... Like all of these, like you know, types of things, you have to, you have to, you know, do this. And you're out there, you're a kid, and you're dealing with people that are on drugs. They're 30, 40, and 50 years old. So they really can beat you up. So you have to carry a weapon. So those moments are scary. And also during the nighttime, where um, gang members, you know, they're jockeying for territory because the more territory that you can, you can confiscate or um, gain, the more opportunity you will have to make money. So people are shooting at night, and I, it, it was just a scary time. So I, and I was the worst edit in history. Because it wasn't in my heart, right? I was there because of, you know, influence, but it wasn't in my heart. So I was the scariest, worst. I would make excuses around 830 because I know they would be around, you know, shooting at night. Hey, uh, you know, I, something. You know, I use the bathroom and never come back. You know, I was the worst. <laughs> but you, thank, thank goodness. You, you can really relate to those who uh, are not as advantaged, who have to really struggle to survive. You understand what they're going through. Yeah, a lot of so the the thing about it is is that I have family members that have turned it around. I have family members that are still um, struggling. This you know going in and out of jail. Recidivism rate is really really high in communities. Um, you know that are that's, that are that starts off disadvantaged. Um, the 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 thing that's that's saddening is is that they've been doing it for so long because they don't have an, another option. Right. They've tried to work at McDonald's. They've tried to turn it around and work at Burger King or get a CDL. But they were, you know, because they get a, a, a record so early, 16, 17 years old, no one um, hires them. So it just keeps them there. And um, I, I have a, a cousin now that finally got an opportunity um, because he got a CDL. Said, Jason, I want you to, to, to help me get, you know, this. And, and now he's, you know, driving, you know. So, and that, those are things that, that, that are positive that that has happened. And, um, you know, so I, I can't really relate to um, that struggle. Um, but at the same time, I don't make excuses. Um, I know that if you have the determination and you have the hunger, you have the fight, you have the desire, you have prayer um, and people that are willing to help you, um, I think you can overcome it. Do you think you've made a greater impact, Jason, in your life from what you've done on the field? And we've seen how much the fans love you and in Philadelphia, New Jersey, everywhere, they, they, they respond to you? Or do you think you've made your greatest significant um, contribution using the platform to help others? Yeah, I would say, I would say both. Um, a lot of people don't know about the things that I do because I'm not, I, I don't do them, you know, it's good. Whenever you do something good, no matter if it's for, for, for notoriety or not, helping a cause is helping a cause. And um, for years and years and years, like in, in, in Philadelphia, I was there at a local church just every pretty much time that I had an opportunity um, helping the youth there, you know, being a mentor, a counselor for them, you know, whether it's um, big brothers, big sisters, taking kids, you know, that are like me um, to different places in Philadelphia just to spend some time with them, going to graduations, doing these things because it means a lot. Um, and um, now I'm starting to see the, the fruits of it, you know, and I get a text from a kid the other day, Tyreth, that, um, you know, that, that from Camden, New Jersey, that graduated from Duke University. You know, you just never... You never know the impact that you have, and those things will will live longer than you know how many catches you have in the NFL. It's amazing. Uh, did you find in the locker room that most guys wanted to give back to the community? 
Yeah, yeah. So that's um, that's that's the nature of it. Um, and this team here was way better than our team, just to be honest. Like, we, we had a lot of guys that did a bunch, but this team, when it comes to the genuine people that they have, it's amazing to me. Um, and yes, but it makes guys want to do more. And um, what Connor Barwin did for the South for South Philly Hurricanes in that area with the park, like that was like historic to me. And I, and and whenever I see Connor, man, I just want to kiss him on the cheek and say thank you for that, you know. And, and what you know Malcolm Jenkins does, and what Carson does over in Africa, and uh, or what Chris does over in Africa with the Wells, and like it's so many different things that these guys are doing. It's so it's so humbling, and that's why this this is why the last couple of years this team has been the most likable team in Philly. They've been my favorite team, right? Literally, they've been my favorite team to watch. You know, and all of, you know, the, the National Football League history and, and me watching it for years and years and years, they've been my favorite team. They've been, like, heroic to me. You had uh, an opportunity to work with Doug when Doug was an assistant coach here. Did you ever see him as head coaching material? Yes. Like, um, you know, if, if you go back to when Doug was first hired, I was, that's when I was, you know, first getting into the media, and, they, and, and everyone went sour on Doug in, in the city of Philadelphia. They were unsure about the decision, and, um, and, and they were asking me about it. And I was like, no, he's going to be just fine, and he's going to advance the Eagles faster. He's going to mature them faster than what most people think. And they were like, why do you think that? I was like, listen, very rarely do you get an opportunity for a protege to sit under a coach for so long. And as, as many things as some of the Philadelphia fans doesn't like about Andy, organization, knowing where you need to be, having a game plan, a thought process behind it, and sticking to it, a formula. Coach Reed has a track record of making head coaches better. And you couple that with a player that's played in this league over 10 years with quarterback experience, um, I only think that it's a positive, especially when you draft a kid like Carson when you get here. Like, I only saw it as a positive. And, 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 I, and, and as, a, as a player, this is what you always say. Once you get around in year seven, dude, I wish I had an opportunity to call plays. <laughs> like, I just wish I had – and when you're in offense, you're like, dude, I wish I had an opportunity to call a play. And you're in the game, it's like, dude, why don't we do this right now? We Because you have a, a different beat of the game. The coaches see it, and, and we're, we don't know more than they do. But in the moment decisions, you have a better idea than the coach. Because you understand leverage, you understand defense, you understand different things while it's going on. And um, that's why something like the Philly Philly can happen. Is because when you're a player, when you're a player that turned coach, you understand when a, when a, when a quarterback says, "Hey, let's run Philly Philly, uh, let's do it." Yeah, you know, so. that would be revolutionary if a wide receiver became part of a play calling process in a game. Why not? You know what? Wide receivers get a little bit, but everyone's always open, and they're not always. You know, so like you have to know the player, um, and the player can't be a selfish player. It has to be a player that that understands the beat of the game, and um, usually that's a guy, um, you know, like a you know a guy that's around the quarterback a bunch and, and around the quarterback uh, meetings that can understand like what's behind it. Oh, let's let's run a go route. Or let's run an in cut in it here, but like the the complementing route next to it wouldn't won't work with it, you know. And you have to understand that. Um, but receivers have made in game adjustments with quarterbacks. We used to do it all the time. Like, hey, the next time we call slant, just just we're going to use sluggo, make the slant single, slant slant, make it loud, and then we will run a, a a go off or a slant go off or. I like a little little communication yeah. at the line of scrimmage. Yeah. Yeah. Like we mentioned Deshaun earlier in the show here, um, and he's obviously back with the Eagles. 
How will it be for Deshaun coming back again? What, what do you foresee when, in your crystal ball here? You're part of the media now. We'll talk about that in your post-playing career as well in just a moment. But what do you see for, for Deshaun, the challenges, and ultimately perhaps the success, we hope? Yeah. So, first of all, you can deny his talent, right? Um, with what he's had as far as his catches and his targets, the guy is unbelievable. And, um, so, and, and he'll have in Hall of Fame mention um, one day if he continues up this 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 play for you know next two or three years he'll be in the mentioning for it um coming back will be different for him but I think coming back can be successful he has three children now has a family he's matured um in life in a bunch of different ways um and also he's he was second in Tampa Deshaun's never been second in his life. So that was a historical moment, right? So you got you have Mike Evans that's going to get majority of the targets, and you have to learn to deal with the role that you have. I think that was monumental in the decision-making of Howie and Mr. Lurie to bring Deshaun back. The track record has shown over the last year that there are signs of his maturation, and hopefully it's a beautiful marriage. But I do know Deshaun. And I know that he's a fiery guy. And if it's not going his way sometimes, he can let you know about it. And I'm just hoping that he's mature enough at this stage in his career to say, you know what, Um, I'm going to fit into a system. I said this yesterday, the way Malik Jackson handled his press conference, I'm here for the team. I'm here to help Fletcher Cox. He's the man. I'm Batman. I'm I'm Robin. He's Batman. I'm going to do everything I can to assist him. If he stays with that approach and he allows the game to come to him, he's going to be successful because Deshaun doesn't need 90 catches. He needs 50. If he can get 50, he has a chance of getting 1,000 yards. And maybe out of those six touchdowns he scored, 40 of them are going to be plus 50. It's just the nature of the beast. And, and he'll do well with that. He, he's amazing. Jason, you've made the transition from former player, from player to, to being part of the media. What has that been like for you? How, how far would you like to take it? Um, I want to go as far as, uh, as, as I can in the media. Um, I'm getting better and better at it, I think. Um, as a player, it's tough. As a player, transitioning to the media is tough. The reason it's tough is because if you want to be good, and everyone has the way that they really feel about a situation or a topic, and as a player, you can't respond to it because it can break locker room code. And the one, the, the fastest way out of the NFL is to continue to break locker room code, speak when you know um, you shouldn't. If there's a fight in the locker room, it stays between you guys. If there's words or comments, beef, if you don't like a coaching decision, shut up. Don't don't say anything. And when you're in the media, you have to be honest. Um, and, and some players fail at it because they refuse to be honest. Um, but I... The one thing that I regret, I told you this yesterday, that I that I wasn't honest enough. I think there, I, I should have been more balanced. And, and in the media, it gives me that opportunity to look at a game and say, hey, the coaching staff kind of blew this one or the player isn't playing well. And, and they may hate me for it, but I owe that responsibility to the fans and to the person that's employing me at the moment. So, um, and something, and I owe it to myself to look at a situation and not be biased. And, and I like that, that, that idea. You've also taken your post-career into a business venture, the trampoline business. Yeah. Um, tell us about that. I know it's, it seems from the outside to be very successful. Has it been? 
yeah, it's it's going well. So um, when I when I begin to look at you know year seven or eight when I was um you know getting ready to be done with the Eagles, I begin to see a lot of familiar faces. You know, so I was like, oh, my time is coming up pretty soon here. And um, in off season, I was shadowed at a local trampoline park, and I kind of fell in love with the process. And uh, and I did that for a couple of years. Um, went back to University of Michigan. Um, you know, did the executive program with the NFL, um, and just continued education within the park. And um, loved it. So I opened up Launch Trampoline Park. We do more than trampolines. It's like trampolines, Ninja Warrior, rock climbing, um, laser tag, arcades, all of those things, um, birthday parties. And um, it's going well. I'm, the first store in Deford that I had, you know, opened up two and a half years ago. And um, it's, it's, it finished number one in the franchise uh, um, last year. Um, and, it's, and it's doing well. Out of 30 stores, we, were, we finished number one in revenue and, um, and also customer um, experience and reviews. So um, it was. It, it Went well and decided me and I decided to open up two more stores and um, one is in Delray, New Jersey, just opened two months ago, and um, one will be open next month in Newark, Delaware. Biggest challenge in being a businessman. The biggest challenge of being a businessman, when you have a heart like mine, is not to give everything away, right? <laughs> no, but um, the the biggest challenge is the learning curve. You've been playing football for so long, and you've been used to that process. And um, and being a businessman, you have to be stern. You have to um, listen to what the customers want, and um, you have to continue your education. Um, the biggest thing is is for us is to create an experience for the kids that gets them out of their their reality. It's just like what Disney does, just like what we do here um, um, at a resort like this. You're getting away from your reality, like what the Eagles do. Take your mind off of um, something that you're going through. Kids are going through a bunch of different things, especially bullying, um, you know, kids picking on them in school. And when you come to launch, you get an opportunity to take a load off and have a good time. And that's what we're doing. And and the biggest thing about that is, is that we're active amusement. We're entertaining fitness. Kids don't know if they're getting in shape. So this is why I chose this business is because we're getting kids in shape. They're away from Fortnite for a moment. They're away from social media for a moment. And they're having a good time with their friends. When you come to trampoline park, it's never one kid. It's usually three or four people. They're having a dodgeball tournament they're dunking on a basketball goal off trampolines they're doing something that's 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 um um you know strenuous or 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 taxing on their body and they're having fun doing it do you consider yourself a role model um i try my best to be um i try my best to be best for other people to to um discern or glean but um i try my best to 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 live my life in a way I, I'm not perfect. And me and you talk about this all the time. And, and some things that you've said to me at the executive uh, dinner, the thing that we had in Cherry Hill the one time, is like, listen, everyone has a vice. Everyone isn't perfect. And as soon as you recognize that people have, you know, flaws, um, the better you're going to be. And I kind of took those words to heart. So I'm trying to live my life more free. And um, hopefully it's, it's um, inspiring someone else. Jason, we do something here on the Eagles Live podcast. We call it Five Questions With. So it is now time for Five Questions with Jason Avant. All right, so the wide receiver position known for its diva personalities. What is the most diva thing that Jason Avant has ever done on the football field as a football player? Oh, man. The most diva thing that I've done uh, is probably my probably my senior year at the University of Michigan. It was my last game versus Nebraska, and we had, like, a failed, like, um, we, we, we lost the game. But um, in the middle of the game, I'm like, Coach, throw me the ball. 
Like, we're losing, and you're throwing the ball to a freshman. Like, what are you guys doing? You guys want to lose? And uh, it was the first time I've ever challenged coaching, but it was so bad at the time that I had to. And I, and I thought there was a diva moment because I never, like, questioned the coaching, especially during a game where my other teammates can see it. And I was, like, literally mad because we were losing the game because of decision-making and who they were targeting. That's it. That's it. That's not. Why, why are receivers such divas? Or, or are they? It, it all depends on the kid, but but I think I think receivers can be divas because, uh, and it's not just receivers. It can be running backs. It can be quarterbacks. I think quarterbacks the biggest diva out of everybody, right? Because they get the most preferential treatment. Um, but yes, when you've had so much success and you're skilled, like you're not some um, obscure guy like blocking on the line that no one knows if he's ever getting beat. Um, you have an opportunity um, to make a play, people to know your face, and you're constantly getting praised. So, and also um, you bring the personality to the game. That's why receivers are divas, because they bring the personality to the football field. The guys that catch the touchdowns, they come up with the touchdown dances. They create coat like they 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 make, you know, the cool culture. That's we're responsible for that. Um, So that's why you're kind of divas, because you recognize the the business side that you that you bring to the game. The the smart ones do as much as, you know, a lot of people don't like T.O., T.O. brought a different element to the game. For the media, it was always exciting. People had jobs during the media when T.O. was playing. And also, it was it, it, it created social headlines, um, you know, and, and newspaper topics that people can, can continue to talk about. It made the game more exciting. Um, so that's why we recognize, like, our value. And, um, you know, we're used to getting our way. And that's why we're kind of divas, because we've been the most talented i.e. skill positions we've been the most talented among all the football players that we play with all right so you've you've led you've done a great job leading into question number two t.o of course wore number 81 he left the eagles in 2005 you get the number 81 in 2006 what is the story behind that how did you feel about it were you aware that t.o was number 81 um, 100% new because the Eagles were my Madden team. And I told Donovan that when I first got there, he's like, dude, get away from me. You tell me I'm old. Right. So, um, but they were my Madden team. So I knew T.O. was 81. And I'm a new type of player he was. And um, and I and I come to my locker. I'm excited to be in the NFL. I get to my locker and it's like Avant, 81. I'm like, <laughs> what's going on? So I go right to the equipment guy. Um and uh, was that was that was a half field at the time? Half field at the time, and uh, and I'm like, dude, what are you doing? Like, I, I don't want to be 81. No, you're 81. It, it was made that, that that you're 81. I'm like, dude, I'm not 81. Like, I don't want. It's like, dude, you got you know a racist memory as soon as possible, right? So they they would not allow me to change the number, and uh, and I'm thinking to myself, dude, they're gonna boot me in this jersey. And um, before you know it, people you know started to realize that I was my you know my own player. But um, I had I didn't want any part of 81, any part of it. <laughs> well, you you wore it well. You played well with it. All right, question number three for Jason Avant. You were known for all of these crazy mad one-handed catches, fantastic catches in traffic. Do any of them stick out in your mind? Is there a single greatest Jason Avant catch? I know that I have mine. We have actually photos uh, throughout the NovaCare complex in certain offices, people with you plucking a certain pass out of the air. Do you know which one that might be? Yeah, I, I, most people are going to say in Tampa, yep. right? Um, yeah, so that, that play was a very memorable play for me um, and for a lot of people. For me, it's not the most important play. Um plays to keep the drive alive and to win games like um in in our in our playoff uh 
uh, run in 2008 when we lost to the Cardinals. But we played the Vikings and we played the um, the Giants. And in those games, there were some third and fourth downs that they called on me. Called on, and and, it, and the wind was like, the wind was like the gusts were like 40 mile per hour, and it was like 20 mile per hour wind the entire game. So catching the ball was extremely hard, and it got to a point where everyone was dropping balls except for me. And Marty's like, "F it, I'm throwing the ball to Jason every time." And if you look at the back end of that game, the versus Giants, he would throw me the ball in every critical situation. It's like I heard in that game, and those are the moments and the, and the catches that I kind of remember because they they meant most to me personally. And I knew at that time that when they, I knew the remedy for us. When we started out bad was, okay, if we're starting off bad and people are messing up, throw the ball at Jason and we'll get back on track and then we'll come back to everybody else. And that was the game plan. Good game plan. I love it. I love it. All right, question number four. The craziest personality that you can ever remember coming across in the Philadelphia Eagles locker room? Craziest personality. I would say LaShawn McCoy. Like, I thought LaShawn was like – he. He was a part of the team. The offensive line loved him. Um, but he joked with everybody from Coach Reed to Howie to Lurie. He would smack Lurie on his butt. Like, he was like a, he was a, a pro and he loved the game, but he enjoyed life. And if I can go back and do it again, I would probably do it like LaShawn McCoy and have a little bit more fun doing it. Um, because I've learned over the years through our conversations, you know, and through other people's conversations that you have to enjoy, enjoy the ride. I always give the analogy of Jerry Rice and Deion Sanders. When, when you hear both of them speak, yeah, Jerry Rice is the best player in NFL history. One of them, top five for sure. Best players, not receivers, just best players. And But did he enjoy any of it? Because he was so military minds minded about it you know and then you have Deion Sanders not since you have to go out and party and, and do crazy things that Deion did but finding a balance of enjoying it and being a good football player is, is a part of it to sit back and sometimes say, you know what this is a pretty cool experience all right Jason number five great stuff here we started the, the conversation talking about Eagles fans here in Punta Cana Describe Eagles fans that you have known since 2006. It's already been, my gosh, it's been 14 years here, 13, 14 years. Yes, it's been. So describe Eagles fans, passionate, loyal, um, honest. And the honest part is where the players sometimes, I did when I was younger, get it misconstrued. They're honest. And um, and then, and, and I would say they're, they're always hungry. And they have a chip on their shoulder. Like so, um, but you love the fact that they love the team. We we're talking about generational like uh Eagles fans, people with tattoos of your face on their body. Like, you know, and this is a true story, ladies and gentlemen. It's true and scary. Yeah, it's true and scary. And then this is the the nature of the people that love this team and and they're gonna let you know about it. And you know what? If you have the right mindset as a player, um, you won't take it as a negative you'll take it as you know what they're trying to sharpen me they're trying to make me better and um so that's what i love about the eagles fans um and they take care of you after the game is over like they you know hey come over my house for dinner i'm like dude i don't know if i go to stadium and ever have to pay for food you know it's just the nature of the beast it's a good time jason Avant, thank you so much oh no problem thank you dave thanks for the opportunity Jason Avant, thank you very much for your time. Great job, and we look forward to working with you in the future. Jason Avant, somebody that everybody can really respect, understand, and admire his story. Coming from a really tough growing up period of youth in Southside Chicago, 
to a man who is all about faith, fairness, and hard work and respect. So we love Jason Avant. Thank you so much for joining us on the Eagles Live podcast. And once again, thank all of you for joining us on the Eagles Live podcast. Next week, we will have John Ferrari in. This is one you will not want to miss. John Ferrari, the vice president of football administration and compliance for the Eagles, breaking down the new NFL rules for 2019. What do they mean to you? Check into the Eagles Live podcast next week. Thanks for joining, everyone. I'm Eagles insider Dave Spadaro. Thanks to Chris Barletto for putting this all together. And thanks to you for joining us. Have yourselves a great Eagles day, everyone, and fly, Eagles, fly. Fly.